That's great. Thank you. Thank you, Bob and the band and James and uh, helping us to worship. And praise the Lord this morning. Before we read, I just want to mention a couple of things. Um, one is to, to ask for your prayers for Kirsty. Um, Kirsty's been quite poorly recently. Um, unfortunately, they, they discovered that she's got secondary cancer spread to her spine and um, uh, pelvis, and so she's having to have radiotherapy again, and she's had that this week. So uh, do pray for him, for, pray for Angie, a mum, and Ken, a dad as well. Um, Saturday, it's in, it's in the bulletin, but I just want to draw attention to it. Um, a couple of things on Saturday. One is the men's prayer breakfast, and that's at half eight? Eight. Eight. This Saturday, it's because it's changed, isn't it? Yeah. So it's eight o'clock on um, Saturday. Um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, said, I would have all, all men pray. And uh, it's good to pray together. It's a really good time, so worth getting up for. Just uh, come if you can, 8 o'clock, and it's great fellowship on Saturday morning. And then after that, that sort of then from 10 o'clock till 12, 12 but it's come as you can and go when you need. There's a, another prayer meeting, and that's a United Churches prayer meeting. We, we, we're one of many across the county who pray. And usually just a few gather, but it'd be great for more people to come. Praying for revival. And the outpouring of God's spirit, and that's uh, we meet in the lounge, 10 o'clock through 12, but come and go as you, you're able to. And uh, I want to mention the table at the back, and I've forgotten who mentioned it, who led it last week? Oh, it was Judith, wasn't it? That's okay. Um, there's the table at the back with this plan on, which is five by five by five. And it's a reading, a Bible reading plan for the year. And can I just ask, just out of interest, how many of you have actually read right through the New Testament? Okay, just give it a second. Right, so quite a good half of you, that's great, is that? And, and you may have your own reading program to help you read. I need a program, otherwise I need to know what I'm going to do, you know, I need to have something to follow. I'd like to encourage you, if you don't have your own reading program or pattern of reading, to have a go at this. This is a, a read through the New Testament in a year. And it's five times five times five. I've chosen this one because I think it's manageable if you're not used to doing that. It's, it's really for all of us. It'd be great if we did it as a church, but obviously I know some are already doing that and you've got your own and you're sort of work, working your way through in a different way. Um, so five by five by five. Five, first five is five minutes. The thought is it would take five minutes to read one chapter of the New Testament. And it, it's a chapter a day. Five, be five, so it's, that's for five days a week, and then two days you have either to, to reflect or catch up or whatever you want to do on the, on the fifth day, on the sixth and seventh day. Five, be five, be five, so, and then it gives you five helpful thoughts of how to feed on the word of God. So it'd be great to do that as a church together, and it, it didn't matter if you've, obviously we've into the new year, but you can catch up anyway. Take one of these, and, uh, and the idea is you, you, you tick off each time you read a chapter. Wouldn't it be great if we came back you know, on a Sunday and just shared with each other, you know, God really blessed me with this verse, 
and you'll be able to share what, you'll be, what you've read as well. So uh, let's do that together. And then the last thing I want to mention, highlight, is right at the back of the bulletin, on the back page, it's right at the back, but no less important, it's just a mention about baptism. And uh, I'd like to, um, someone's inquired about baptism, I'd like to plan a baptismal service. And if you haven't been baptised, and you know that you want to be baptised, God's spoken to you about it, have a word with me. I'm reading through Mark's Gospel, I've been doing the 5 by 5 by 5 and I came to the part where the woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And it was a lovely, just a thought, three thoughts actually from that, which I, then I thought of baptism. Why did Jesus ask, who touched my hem? One, it was so that she could publicly affirm that she reached out in faith, two, that she could give praise to God publicly, and three, to encourage those around with her faith. I mean, I'm sure there are other things. And really, that's what baptism is. You know, you're affirming your faith in Jesus publicly. You're giving praise to God for what he's done in your life. And also, you're stirring up others. Others are encouraged by your testimony. So, if you haven't been baptised, it's obedience, following Christ through the waters of baptism, have a word with me if you haven't been baptised and would like to consider, be considered for that. Let's turn to God's word. I'd like to read from Hebrews chapter 10. Reading in the church Bible, the New King James. <clears throat> Beginning to read at verse 11. Hebrews 10. And verse 11. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, this is Jesus, the great high priest, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said, this is, my, is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus and by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, 
and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. So Lord, we just pray again as we come to your word. To you, the author of this word, we thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for having it here that we can read and study. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would help us. I pray for that help myself. And I pray, Lord, that you would use this word to equip us, to stir us up, to encourage us, to feed our souls, to speak to our hearts. Lord, bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our New Year's text is taken from Hebrews 10, 24-25. It's, we've taken it from the NIV. And I'll read the two verses and then just emphasize the text. So Hebrews 10, 24-25 in the NIV. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And the part we've chosen, it's on the card that you've got, um, it's taken from those verses. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, encouraging one another. So being an encourager is going to be our major theme this year. It will keep on cropping up, being an encourager. And uh, that's the title of the message, Be an Encourager. And uh, the next couple of sermons as well, messages, uh, Tony's going to be preaching next Sunday and I'll preach after that, will be about encouragement. So we all need encouragement. Mark Twain once said, I can live for two months on a sincere compliment. And it's true. Encouragement lifts you, it stirs you up. We all need to be given encouragement. If I do something nice for Judith, I like to be told about it every day for the next two weeks. I just like the encouragement. After that, every other day is fine. It, but it's scriptural, it's God's will that we encourage each other, that we give encouragement to each other. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, encouraging one another. We need encouraging. We need enc- you, you and I need encouraged to worship God. We need encouraged to, to trust God, to keep believing. You know, we, we do have ups and downs. We have, we have discouragements and encouragements, of course. We need encouragement to read the Bible. We need encouragement to pray, to fellowship together. We need encouragement if we're on our own, uh, living on our own, just to keep going, or in our families or in our marriages. We need encouragement. We need one another. God's made us like that. This epistle to the Hebrews was written to a people from a Jewish background, hence the word, not the title, Hebrews. Many of those who were in the church community were true Christians and they'd embraced Christ. But there were others in that community who were from a Jewish background, they'd heard the gospel, they'd, in a sense, they'd warmed to it. And they knew, they knew about Jesus, they knew that he died, and they claimed that he died for their sins, that he was the son of God. And, and there was this, 
moving towards embracing the gospel, but they hadn't quite got there. And so the, the church community was made up of people like that, from a Jewish background. Some who knew the Lord and some who hadn't yet fully decided, they were sort of wondering, or still sort of at that point of decision. And what was happening was that they were beginning to face persecution for being different. And uh, they were beginning to experience increasing stress and uh, um, victimization and, and, and it was getting hotter, it was getting worse and, and that was increasing. And some of those were in danger of abandoning their faith. They were in danger of going back. And especially those who hadn't yet embraced Christianity, embraced Christ, they were in danger of giving up. In fact, they stopped meeting together, some of them. And, and they were in danger of going back to Judaism, going back to the sacrifices, going back to the rituals of Judaism. And so this, this epistle was written to encourage them to keep going. It was written to encourage them to see Jesus was far superior to anything that was in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. That he was superior to Moses and, and, and greater than Abraham and, and, and he was greater than the law and he was greater than all the priests. He, he was the son of God. And it was written to encourage them. Some of them were beginning, as I say, to cool off. To not meet together. And so in this passage it says, don't forget, don't, don't forsake the meeting together. It's important. You need each other. You need to be encouraged by each other. So this epistle was written to reinforce their faith. So if you just turn back, if you've got the Bible, to Hebrews 3, verse 12 and 13. Again, reading from the NIV. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. So it says, see to it, brothers. Now, brothers there, sometimes in the, in the letter to the Hebrews, that could actually refer to the Jewish brethren. It may not just be, you know, the true brethren. It might be the Jewish brethren. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You see there, talks about the dangers of having an unbelieving heart and the, the dangers of sin's deceitfulness. I don't know if you know this, but we all face the battle with an unbelieving heart. There is, there is that within us which, which will battle at times. The dangers of being hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know, sin is deceitful, isn't it? Sin will say, you do this and you'll be satisfied. You do this and, 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 and you'll be content. You, you do this and, and you'll be happy, you'll be free, you'll be fulfilled. It's a lie. Sin is a liar. Sin, leads, sin, is, sin is the way to death. Sin's the way to spiritual emptiness and brokenness and, and slavery. But sin will use every trick to deceive us. That's, that's the thought. And the way that God's 
given us to battle against this unbelieving heart which we can all be prone to and, and, and this deceitfulness of sin is encouragement through the encouragement of each other. Read again. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You see, we're called to help each other battle against sin, against deceitfulness, the deceitfulness of sin, and against unbelief. We're called to help each other fight that fight of faith. You know, there's no one who's, who's above encouragement. I need it and you do. And so back to our text, Hebrews 10, 24, 25. We're to consider one another. How to spur one another on towards love and good works, encouraging each other. That's God's way of caring for you and for me. The, these believers in, in, that he's writing to and nearly believers were under extreme pressure. And they needed each other. And yet some were reacting in the wrong way. They were sort of ignoring and giving up on the fellowship. They said, don't do it. Don't do it. Encourage one another. Meet together. And he goes on to say, uh, in fact, I'll just... Um, goes on to say at the end of chapter, verse 25, isn't it, I think. Um, yeah, end of verse 25. Encouraging one another, and so much the more... As you see the day approaching. What, what day is that? It's the day of the Lord. It's, it's the second coming of Christ. That's what he's saying. God's word prophesies that as that day approaches, there will be increasing difficulties for the Christian. There will be increasing stress. There will be increasing pressure and hardship because evil will abound. That's, that's what the word of God says. Don't need to turn to it. Matthew 24 verse 12 about the last days. Jesus said because of the increase of wickedness the love of most will grow cold. So that's why we need to take this word seriously. If, if your love... and we don't know when the Lord's coming back, do we? But it's sooner today than it was yesterday. <laughs> there we are, that's brilliant, isn't it? And, and it's getting closer, and it could be any time. And there are, there are signs which suggest and imply that the, if you like, the days are quickening, if that's, if that's the right way of putting it, to that day. And that's why we need, there will be an onslaught from Satan and of evil. Evil will abound. There will be a removing of the restraint of God's grace. And there will be, and it will be part of God's plan, we will need to be encouraged. We will need that. We will need to be on our guard. So, woe to you if you think you can stand alone. Woe to you if you think you can get alone on your own. You can't. The word encourage is in the original Greek, it means to exhort, it means to implore, and as well comfort. And so to encourage. In fact, our English word encourage is, goes back to the in courage. It, it, it's, it, that's, that, that's the thought, putting courage in 
to someone. When you encourage someone, you're putting courage, strength into somebody. And so if you are encouraging one another, it means you'll be, you'll be looking to bless each other. And I'll be looking to bless you. You'll be looking for other people and other people. You'll be looking for God's grace at work in them. Something that you can just, oh, that's wonderful. That's great. Praise God for that. Maybe looking out for people who just need that word. Somebody who's struggling. Somebody perhaps going through a tough time. Ready to give up. Just that boost they need. An encouraging word. A little word of praise. You know, our words are important. 1 Thess 4.18 1 Thessalonians 4.18 says this very simple therefore encourage one another with these words encourage one another with these words and actually the words there are about the second coming if you read the context the Lord's second coming Paul's just been talking about. What he's saying is we have to encourage each other with the word of God, in a way, with our words. Words of encouragement. You know, our words and how we say them are so crucial, aren't they? How we speak to one another. My words have got power to build up or to pull down. Richard Halverson, he was the minister and he was a minister, chaplain of the United States Senate in the 1990s, said this, you can offer your words and ideas to others either as bullets or as seeds. Just think about that, bullets or seeds. What does a bullet do? Kills. Seeds, gives life. And that's what encouragement does. It gives life. After a church service, a young man who had started attending the church was welcomed by an older member. And the younger one said to the older one, as, as a way of introduction, he said, hi, I'm, I, he said I'm, a gar- I'm a gardener. What do you do? And the older man said, well, he said, I'm retired, uh, but I straighten people's backs and I help them to walk tall. And the young man said, oh, he said, are you an osteopath then? Oh, no, said the man, I'm an encourager. Are you an encourager? Someone who helps people to walk tall? Do you strengthen people's backs? Do you put strength into people? Encourage, encourage. Do you love to build others up? Oh, beautiful. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we were a church where everybody loved to build each other up? Ephesians 4, 29 verse 30 says this do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption God wants you and me to be an encourager this year every year but this year How? Just two things. First of all, our text says we need to consider one another. Considering one another. 10.24, let us consider how we may spur one another on. The Greek word there, katanoeo, katanoeo, is a word that means to exercise the mind. To think things through. 
to observe fully. It's interesting, it's used just once elsewhere in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. Hebrews 3 and verse 1, where it says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider, that's the word, the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. So we're to consider Jesus. What does it mean to consider Jesus? It means to think about him. To study him. Focus on him. Let our mind be occupied by him. That's, that's what it means, isn't it? Consider Jesus. So the NIV has fix your thoughts on Jesus. So it, take that word, it's the same word in the text. We are, to con we are called, exhorted, to consider one another. In other words, we're actually being urged to reflect on each other's needs, to think about each other. We're encouraged to give attention to others and, and discover what they need and, and, and where they're at and where they're coming from and think about them carefully. That's what it takes to be an encourager. Are you an encourager? Am I an encourager? We're called to take time and to give attention to others. You know, so, so that suggests, doesn't it, when we come together, we're, not, we're coming actually to look out for each other. That's, that's it. We're watching and listening. And we think, well, what does David need today? You know, what, does, what, does Chris, what would encourage Christine? What, what would help? So and so on. Thinking of each other. The emphasis isn't on what we can get out of church, but what we can give back in to others. That's fellowship. That's, that's sharing. How can we encourage? We don't, we're not, the, as Christians, if, you're, if you are a true believer, you're not here to live for yourself. You are live, we're called to live for each other. And for Christ, of course. But to live for each other. We're to consider how we might build them up, how we might encourage them. And secondly, we're to spur one another on. Verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. The New King James has stir up love and good deeds. That word to spur, it's actually, it's a very strong word. It literally means to incite it's used negatively in the, in, in elsewhere in the, Old Test, in the New Testament to incite to anger, to provoke to anger. It, it sort of a, it's got a striking thought about it. So we are called to provoke one another. How can I provoke you? Not, not in a bad way, but in a good way. How can, how can I stir you up, incite you to do good things, to love Christ, to serve? Fellowship, you know, fellowship isn't just a, a case of just, oh, let's have a nice time together. You know, let's, let's enjoy each other's company. Let's spend an hour, pleasant hour, worshipping and praising and we're off. No, that's not fellowship. Fellowship is actually considering, praying, thinking, looking out. It's, it, I say it's hard work. It's not hard work. But there is work involved in it. There's purpose in fellowship. We're meeting so that when we leave, we are motivated 
to serve. We're motivated and stirred to do things and to love the Lord more and, and to trust God more. And, and we're doing that as we share with each other. And over the next couple of weeks, I think that will be unpacked a bit more, what that means. Mutual encouragement. Consider one another to spur on toward love and good deeds. You know, that actually gives purpose to your day, doesn't it? How are this day? How, how can I be an encourager today? What, what can I be th- what, who can I think about who might need that encouragement today? Doesn't matter when you come to church, anywhere, wherever you are. So you, you've, got a, you've got a reason for actually getting up in the morning. God wants to use me today. One of the most beautiful examples, I think, of encouragement is the father encouraging the son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That voice from heaven. Now that, was for the, that, that wasn't actually primarily for Jesus' sake. That was for those around. But how that must have blessed the son's heart to hear that. And I just want to finish with the example of Paul, the Apostle Paul. Do you know he was a great encourager? You, you read through the, the epistles, the, the letters, and oh, there's some strong stuff there. There's challenges, there's, there's strong teaching. But what great encouragement. You don't need to turn to this, but if you read, if you ever read, well, you will do if you go through 5 by 5 by 5, you get to Romans, the last chapter of Romans, it's almost packed with names of believers who Paul just gives a little comment about, which must have been so encouraging to them. Greet Apelles, Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet Trifona and Trifosa, Tifosa, who laboured in the Lord. And every little thing, there's a little word of appreciation, a word of encouragement, a word of commendation. He said to the Philippian church, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Now, lovely, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. When did you last say something like that? Okay, put it into your own words. Yeah, I just I'm, I, you're such an encouragement. Thank you. Thank you for that ministry. You, you, you know, what you did there was just lovely. Thank you. You know, I think you're a wonderful parent. You know, when did you last say that? Or something like that to somebody else? You've got children. You've got children. Have you ever said something to their Sunday school teacher? Like, thank you for that. You, you, you're investing in my children. Thank you. Have you, have you got teenagers? Have you, have you ever said to the youth leaders, you, you did a great job there. You know, thank you. You've given time and energy. I appreciate that. Thank you. Have you ever thanked one of our stewards, you know, the ones who are just sort of in the background? Said, you know, thank you. Those who look out, look out on a Sunday or a Thursday or Monday for brigades, while we, you know, are secure, oh, that's, you know, really appreciate what you do. Thank you. What about those in the services and leading services or taking part in services on the tech team or whatever? A word of appreciation, just, just thank you. Just a little word. Doesn't have to be false. Doesn't have to be made, you know. Um, it's just natural, but let it, why not? Are you an encourager? Or are you a discourager? Or are you just quiet and never say anything? I want us to be a people who go out of our way to show appreciation, to show gratitude, to encourage. 
Let's not take people for granted. Don't take, don't take what they do for granted. You know, I always think it's a shame that we often wait until somebody's funeral before we tell them what a great person they've been. Why do we? Why wait? <laughs> the American poet Burton Braley, he wrote this poem called Do It Now. I have no idea whether he was a Christian or not. And I don't often finish off with poetry, so I'll make the most of this, okay? <coughs> when with pleasure you are viewing any work a man is doing, and you like him or you love him, tell him now. Do not withhold your approbation till the parson makes oration and he lies with snowy lilies on his brow. For no matter how you shout it, he won't know a thing about it. He won't know the many teardrops that you shed. If you think that praise is due him, now's the time to give it to him. Because a man can't read a tombstone when he's dead. More than fame and more than money is your word, both kind and sunny, and the hearty, warm approval of a friend. It gives to life a savour, makes us stronger and yes, braver. And it gives us true encouragement to the end. If he wins your praise, bestow it. If you like him, let him know it. Let the words of true encouragement be said. Do not wait till life is over and he lies beneath the clover. Because a man can't read his tombstone when he's dead. Oh, that's good. I wish I'd written that. Don't leave things unsaid. I thank God for the encouragers in this church. You might be thinking that, you know, Phil's sharing this because he's, he's, he's discouraged and he didn't get much encouragement and he's lifted. Nothing could be further from the truth. I am so blessed with encouragement. But I want everybody to have that encouragement. I want the people who are sort of on the quiet, people perhaps who don't notice, people on the periphery. I want everybody to know that encouragement, experience that. This is God's way of strengthening us, of lifting us up, of inspiring us to keep going, of putting hope and confidence within us and of motivating us to love and to do good. So let's make it our own this year and throughout the year with God's help to be the encourager God wants us to be and what an impact that will make on the church. What a great church that will be. James, have you got a